Welcome to the Travel Possibilities Podcast. I'm your host, Callie O'Connor. I've gone from career burnout to taking multiple career breaks, scoring several remote jobs, and even starting my own business while traveling to over 80 countries. The one thing that held me back from starting sooner was that I didn't believe it was possible for me. I wasn't aware that travel could become part of my lifestyle. Through this podcast, I'm so excited to share with you the travel possibilities that are out there for you. In season four, we're talking all about inspirational travel stories. Let's get started. I'm so excited to introduce you to my guest today on the Travel Possibilities podcast. Kristen Secor was born with a rare form of muscular dystrophy, which affects her strength, balance, endurance, and breathing. Despite her health challenges, she has not let them deter her from pursuing her love of travel. She began her wheelchair accessible travel blog in the hopes of inspiring people with mobility problems to travel to their dream destinations and to provide information and resources to make accessible travel easier. So Kristen's been to 20 countries across four continents. And as you'll hear in our conversation, she doesn't let her mobility issues affect how she decides on her next destination. She's even been to Antarctica. So this is a really inspiring episode. It was a fantastic conversation. And I'm so excited to bring awareness to the topic of accessible travel. So without further ado, here's the episode. Before we dive in, this season's episodes will come to you uninterrupted and ad-free. I know that you'll be inspired by the stories you hear this season. And if you need help taking the leap yourself, I encourage you to check out the resources listed in the show notes or visit my website, www.travelshifters.com. Whether you are seeking a remote job, a career break, or pursuing a different travel possibility, there are resources and services for every budget, including free. If you have any questions, my DMs are always open at the Travel Shifters. Now, let's get into today's episode. Welcome back to the Travel Possibilities Podcast. I am so excited to introduce you to today's guest. In fact, I'm so excited to let her introduce herself. So Kristen, thank you for being here. Why don't you tell us a bit about yourself? Sure. So my name is Kristen Secor, and I was born with a rare form of muscular dystrophy. That's a progressive illness. So when I was younger, I had more abilities than I do now. Primarily affects my strength, my breathing, so I am on a ventilator, um, my balance, my endurance, and things like that. So I do have limited mobility. I can walk very, very short distances with a cane and other supports. So usually when I'm outside of my house, I use a wheelchair or a mobility scooter to get around. And despite your diagnosis that hasn't stopped you from traveling all over the world. So can you tell us about when you first became interested in travel? Yeah, so we always took family vacations when I was younger. Um, But my first international trip was in 2005. I went to the UK, uh, like England, Scotland, and absolutely fell in love with international travel. I just wanted to get more and more so you can obviously say I caught the travel bug um, and then I've been traveling ever since. I've been to four continents and 20 countries so far. Amazing. So you mentioned that 
your muscular dystrophy is a progressive disease. Can you tell us a little bit about how your mobility has changed over the years and how it's affected your travels? Sure. So when I was younger, I had difficulty with things like just being fast. I walk with no assistance, but I really running was never really running. Um, so that was always challenging. And stairs have always been challenging, but I could do them if I had a railing. Uh, now I really can't do stairs. And I, like I said, I walk with a cane or I use a wheelchair. So my mobility and my strength has really declined. And I would say the most of that happened in 2017. I got pneumonia. I was hospitalized um, because one of the muscles that it, my MDFS is my breathing. So when I had pneumonia, they weren't sure if they were going to be able to get me in. They weren't sure if I was going to survive. So I really fought to get healthy. But in the process, I lost a lot of strength and ability. So there was a big kind of question mark in that time about what would I be able to do and what would that look like? So in terms of travel, I mean, that was a huge question mark of Am I going to be able to travel? You know, what can I do? Is it going to be the same as I did before? And so that, luckily, I found out I could travel differently, and it just required more planning. But at that time, there was a lot of uncertainty about what was going to be possible. I can only imagine, and I'm so happy to hear that on the other side of it, you are still able to travel and you've come out of this. So can you tell us what goes into planning your trips like in terms of choosing destinations, all the factors that you have to consider when planning your travels? Yeah, so I'm a little bit different than some people. I pick the destinations that I really want to go to. I have a bucket list like everyone else. Um, and so the stubbornness in me says, I'm going to make it work no matter what. And I just have to be aware of the challenges. However, I know not everyone is like that. Some people want like the guarantee accessibility and things like that. So I do a lot of research. Uh, Google is my best friend and Google Street Maps because you can see like entrances to buildings, whether there's stairs, what that looks like, um, whether there's cobblestones. So if I'm like traveling to Europe, that's the big thing. In America, we don't necessarily have those a lot. Maybe in older cities like Boston, but usually we don't face a lot of cobblestones. In Europe, that's everywhere. So I want to see what the terrain's like. I want to see what companies may be able to accommodate me. I usually have to email them. And I've learned to be very specific in my questions because if you just say, is something accessible? They'll say, yeah, but you can do stairs, right? And I said, well, that's not the definition of accessible, but everyone interprets that word very differently and makes assumptions. So I've learned to be very, very specific in what my needs are and what I would like in order for something to be suitable for me. Wow. So before you even embark on any of your travels, do you have every detail planned in terms of activities or do you come up with anything once you arrive in the destination? It's very hard for me to be spontaneous. I would like to be more spontaneous, but there's always that question of, is it going 
to be accessible. So I do have pretty much an itinerary plan of what I'm going to do, what days, what's accessible, what are the obstacles and things like that. Because not only do I know what is possible, but I can manage like similar things in similar areas. So I'm not wasting energy going from one side of town to the other. So I really look at how do I how do I conserve my energy so I can do the most and see the most? And then, you know, what's that going to look like? So I'm not disappointed when I get there. And so what have you found to be some of the more accessible destinations and where have you faced the most challenges while traveling? So some of the more accessible cities, like London is pretty accessible. They have really good public transportation. Uh, Barcelona was pretty good as well. Um, So some of the bigger cities in Europe, like those were pretty accessible. I didn't really have many problems. South America was challenging because little things that we take for granted, like curb cuts. So curb cuts are those dips in the sidewalk that allow you to cross from one side to the other. And in South America, those are very inconsistent if they exist at all. So I would have to roll in the street and hope to not get hit by a car or look for drive driveways to access sidewalks so that was a little challenging um but I try to make it work and I you know try to just go with it I mean I love what you said about you are going to find a way to travel to the places you want to travel to do you find like your stress levels are increased in places like South America where it's just you have to kind of go out of your way to make sure that you're able to maneuver the streets and things like that? Yeah, so stress is a little higher there. And especially because there wasn't a lot of accessibility information on South America. So when I was doing my planning, that was stuff that you couldn't possibly know ahead of time just because the information didn't exist. So that's that's the part where there's a question mark. And I've learned to really try to go with the flow as much as I can. Not everything's going to be perfect. I've really honed my problem-solving skills, trying to make destinations work. But yeah, it's a little more stressful. I can only imagine. So what do you think is really important? What do you wish more people understood about traveling in a wheelchair or with a disability? I wish that people would know is possible, but be that we want to do that. And if you don't see us out traveling, it's because there's not a lot of resources for us. There could definitely be more, even though there's wonderful, accessible cities, not all cities are like that. So public transportation, how easy is it to use? You know, how many people um, maybe unintentionally block accessibility features so like on a public bus there's usually a spot for wheelchairs if it's accessible and a lot of times people park strollers there right because it's easier it's convenient but what that does is it blocks the space for a wheelchair user and sometimes people get very argumentative of i was here first i don't care if you're disabled or or why should I make special accommodations for you? That kind of thing. So I wish people 
understood that this isn't special treatment. It's just allowing us to do everything that other people do. And we have a right to do that. And we want to see the world just like everyone else. So I wish tourism providers understood that there really is a market for accessible travel and that there's really an opportunity to expand your client base because we want to travel and there's sometimes just not enough services or the services that exist are so highly priced. Accessible travel is at least twice the cost of regular travel because of all the specialized equipment, like the lifts on the bus and things like that. So it's not always cost effective. And so we're always looking for affordable ways to do things. That's why public transportation is so great when it exists and is accessible, but that's not always true for all places. So I just really wish people knew that there is a desire and there's so much more we want to see and do just like everyone else. Thank you for sharing that. And I think that's so important. And you mentioned that there aren't a lot of resources in order to be able to plan travel. I know you have a blog. So can you talk about your blog a little bit and also some resources that you have found? Sure. So I have a wheelchair accessible blog, uh, travel blog, worldonwheelsblog.com. And I started that just because when I became more disabled, there wasn't a lot of information. There's becoming more and more information, but I wanted to be part of that solution because I want to go to all these places and I want other people to be able to do the same and have that information of what's accessible, what they can expect, what they can do, how to do it. Um, so that's really the reason I started it. And a lot of the posts on there are all about that accessibility information and, you know, helping the other people travel. So, um, yeah, that's really a major goal of mine. And I just really want to make travel more easier for people with mobility problems. So I also advocate, obviously, with you know the tourism industry and help give feedback of, well, you say this is accessible, but it really, here's some improvements you could do to make it even better. I love that so much. And so you mentioned earlier the how when you say accessible people tend to interpret that differently do you mind defining what accessibility should include in all facets so accessibility should allow someone in a wheelchair to remain in their wheelchair whether that's on transportation so if you're doing a bus tour the bus should have a lift and tie down so that you can safely ride in your own wheelchair on if that means, you know, going to uh, an attraction that someone can easily enter, that there's not high thresholds um, where wheelchairs may get caught up, or maybe there's elevators or other devices um, that allow you to see as much as possible. And if that can't be done, what are some other arrangements you can make? Um, for example, the Anne Frank House in Amsterdam, obviously the attic where the family head is not accessible, it's up a steep flight of stairs. But what they do have is a virtual reality headset that allows you to virtually experience that space. So innovative things like that 
can really make something more accessible. Wow, that's really cool. And have you experienced any other innovative solutions in other parts of the world? Yeah, so the Coliseum has an elevator. And so a lot of the excuses that exist are, well, that building's too old, it's historical, we can't adapt it. Well, the Coliseum has an elevator. That's one of the oldest buildings I know. The Vatican Museums, there are stairs, but there's actually a stair lift. So it's different than an elevator, but it looks similar. It's a motorized platform that a wheelchair rolls on and it lifts you up the flight of stairs. So innovative things like that, um, or even if it's hidden, I've seen places where there's, you know, it looks like there's a flight of stairs and then the stairs move in an elevator or like a lift comes out to allow you to access. So I think there's a lot of possibilities when it comes to technology and innovation if we choose to utilize them. Awesome. I love that. The Coliseum has an elevator. I like that. No excuses. <laughs> okay. And so you travel in all different modes of transportation. What is your favorite? Cruise, plane, train, bus? What do you love the most? I think it, for me, it depends on the destination. Um, because there are some places like South America where the infrastructure really isn't there. So I enjoyed it on a cruise because major cruise lines have accessible cabins. I know what I'm getting. I know what's possible, but there's other places like Italy that are, in my opinion, best explored on land. Cruises are very limited to the coast and ports can be far away. So I love exploring like European destinations on land when I can, um, obviously flying is usually involved to get there since I'm in the U.S. Well, I wouldn't say flying is my favorite just because there's a lot that could improve in the flight experience, like accessible restrooms and things like that. So I think flying for me is one of the more challenging physically ways of traveling, but I do hope that that'll improve with more advocacy and things like that. Definitely. Do you mind sharing more about air travel in a wheelchair and the challenges you face and what more able-bodied people are able should be aware of if they see someone in a wheelchair while traveling on a plane? Yeah, so plane travel at the moment, you cannot stay in your own wheelchair when you fly. You, you, you can take your wheelchair right to the, uh, the door of the aircraft and then they will transfer you to what they call an aisle wheelchair, which is a really narrow chair, very uncomfortable, but it gets you to your seat. And so then your wheelchair is taken down to the cargo hold where all the other luggage is. And that is often when it can get damaged. Unfortunately, wheelchairs get damaged every day. And essentially that's like breaking someone's legs. That's how we get around. That's our independent. So when they're damaged, it really affects our independence, our confidence, and sometimes our comfort level because there's a lot of wheelchairs that are specifically designed for each individual's needs. And then when you're on the plane, you don't have a lot of option of moving around. Able-bodied people can get up, stretch their legs, go to the bathroom, and in larger aircrafts, they have an aisle wheelchair on board to 
take you to the restroom, but what they call accessible restrooms currently on planes are not really accessible. There's not enough room to get the aisle wheelchair in. So you have to be able to transfer at awkward angles to be able to use the restroom. And as a result, most of us usually dehydrate ourselves. We don't eat prior to flying just so that we don't run into the risk of having to use a restroom on board an airplane. Wow, that's awful. And so I'm sure you've thought about it. What suggestions do you have? What improvements would you make if money weren't a factor, if you could make any changes to the airplane? So currently the government in the U.S. is looking at that and uh, the the transportation, you know, head of the transportation department has been advocating for us. He is in agreement with some of our needs and our wishes. And so they're looking at what can we do to put wheelchairs on an airplane where you can stay in your wheelchair. There's some prototypes that are being looked at right now. Airlines are not mandated to make that change yet. Some of them are looking at costs and things like that, but it's not a perfect solution yet. It's a work in progress. Uh, But one of the, excuse me, one of the things that was just passed by Pete's department is about accessible restrooms. And he said, okay, any aircraft with over, I think it's like 50 people on it, has to have an accessible restroom on board. It has to be large enough to have both a person in a wheelchair and someone to assist them, should they need it, be able to enter and has to, you know, be a certain size. There's a lot of ambiguity there, but it's a move in the right direction. So I don't think that airlines... I think airlines have a certain like amount of years in order until they have to actually make sure their aircraft follow this. So it's not going to be an immediate change. However, it's something moving in the right direction. I know there's a nonprofit organization called All Wheels Up that has been advocating for these as well and has been doing research to show that it's safe to ride in your wheelchair on a plane and things like that. So it's really promising. That's great to hear. And has your wheelchair been damaged in flight previously? I've had minor damage, nothing where it was inoperable. Um, My powered wheelchair that I use, it's a small uh, foldable powered wheelchair. It weighs like 50 pounds and it has like little mud guards on the back wheels. And one of those mud guards is broken off. So, I mean, out of all the damage, that could happen. That's, you know, probably one of the best case scenarios. But I've known that people have had like full plates damaged or their joysticks damaged and things like that. So they can be really serious to the point where that wheelchair is inoperable and not usable. And they have to wait for it to get fixed and fight with the airlines to try to get that resolved. And if they're traveling while they're doing that, they've got to try to find repair shop in their new destination. So it can add a lot more stress and a lot more challenges when that happens. Absolutely. And are you familiar with any stories like where the claims have been covered by the airline or do people face difficulties getting full coverage for their wheelchairs and any damages? So the most extreme case that I've heard of 
is a woman actually died because her specialized wheelchair was damaged. Uh, she was prone to pressure sores. And so while her wheelchair was being repaired by the airline, they just gave her a traditional manual wheelchair, which was not outfitted to meet her needs. She developed sores, they got infected, she got sepsis, and she died as a result of all that. So there, that was an extreme case, but they do exist. Um, so it can be very uncomfortable um, and just really debilitating when you don't have your specialized chair. So a lot of the times the airlines cover it, but it could be a month, two months, three months before it's fixed. And what do you do during that time? You know, if you lose your independence, you can't leave your house, you can't go to work, you know, those are serious problems. Absolutely. It's like you said, it's like breaking someone's legs. Yeah. So earlier you mentioned you have a bucket list. Can you tell us about some destinations that are on your bucket list? And if you have any upcoming plans to travel to those locations? Yeah. So one of the things on my bucket list is to finish visiting all seven continents. I will be going to Africa next year. So I'm really excited about that. That is actually part of a small group tour I organized um, because I know the planning of accessible travel is overwhelming and stressful. So I started organizing small group tours to help people with that process. So Africa is one of those tours. Um, so I'm really excited about that. And the other big destination is Australia. Um, my grandfather, who I was very close with, always wanted to go to Australia. He was a huge animal lover. And unfortunately, he has since passed. So I'm going to go for the both of us. Ah, that's so exciting. And so you have plans for Australia already? It looks like 2025. Okay, perfect. And do you know whereabouts you're going to travel yet? Or that's too far in the future to talk about destinations? I am currently planning 2025 trips. I'm totally booked for next year. Um, I've got a lot of exciting trips next year. I'll be going to Peru and Machu Picchu. I'll be going to Northern Ireland and Norway and then South Africa next year. So that's going to be huge. Um, and then I'm starting to look at 2025, both for the group tours, for my readers, and for myself. I know Australia will be a part of that, and I'm going to combine that with New Zealand, but I don't have all the logistics planned exactly yet. That's so exciting, and still time to figure out those logistics. So you mentioned your small group tours. One is to Africa, I saw on your website. The other is to Machu Picchu. Can you just talk more about your small group tours? Yeah. So... I mentioned before, accessible travel can be expensive. Um, so one of my goals was to help try to make it more affordable. When we're using special companies and specialized vehicles, the more you can split the cost over a number of people, the more reasonable it becomes. So that was one of the goals. And then I mentioned uh, not everyone enjoys the planning of accessible travel. I enjoy it, but I'm you know, probably the minority in that area. So I wanted to make that process easier and just show people, hey, you might not have thought this destination was accessible, but it can be. And let me help you go there and check an item off your bucket list as well. That's so cool. 
And can you talk more about Machu Picchu and how it is accessible and how what the trip is going to be like? Yeah, so we're using a local company to Peru um, that specializes in accessible travel. If we weren't using it, it would not be accessible. There's no way. But uh, they kind of force it to be accessible. They have portable ramps they use so that if there's not curb cuts, you can still get on sidewalks or enter buildings. And they have a specialized wheelchair for Machu Picchu. It's a one-wheeled wheelchair. It's called a Gillette chair. And the wheel's head in the center of the seat. And then there's bars coming off the wheelchair so that you have someone in front of you and someone behind you helping you balance on that one wheel and navigating over rougher terrain. And because it's that only one wheel, it's easier to navigate. Wow, that's really interesting. I mean, I've been to Machu Picchu. It's crazy terrain. So that's really amazing that you get to experience it in all its glory. Yeah, I'm really excited about it. Now, there's one continent that you've been to that we haven't talked about yet. So you've traveled to Antarctica. Can you tell us about that and what it's like traveling to Antarctica in a wheelchair? Yeah, so I took a cruise to Antarctica, and there's usually two different types of cruises that go to Antarctica. One is an expedition ship, and those allow you to actually step on the continent of Antarctica. They use like little zodiac boats to take you ashore. Unfortunately, those are not accessible. However, some of the bigger cruise lines like Princess, Holland America, do what they call sail-by tours. And so you're still in Antarctica and you're sailing into the different bays and peninsulas, but you don't get off. But the benefit to those types of cruises is they have accessible cabins, there's accessibility on board the ship and you still get to see the incredible continent i uh, i mean when i was there we saw penguins every day there were whales every day we saw killer whales we saw seals and birds and it was just really incredible to have that experience of the wild nature of antarctica even if i couldn't step foot on land that's amazing I'm obsessed with whales. I am dying to go to Antarctica. So that's so cool. And I'm glad that you've been able to have that experience. If you were to give advice to someone who's interested in traveling, but they are feel like they can't, whether it's because they have a wheelchair or they believe their disability or their circumstance won't allow them to travel, what would you say? I would say start out small, right? If you go from all or nothing, it's going to be completely overwhelming. So start off with trips close to your home. Um, maybe it's two cities over or, you know, a couple hours away, but it kind of gives you the feel for what it's like um, and allows you to do some problem solving without it being as risky because you'll be close enough to home. You can always go back if you need to, if you get totally overwhelmed. But you still get that experience of um, exploring a new place and seeing what some of the challenges are and what you can do. Because I think when you put yourself in a challenging situation, sometimes people realize that they are able to overcome more than they thought they could and just have that experience to build confidence. I will also say that 
since when we first talked, I have decided to host an online accessible travel summit. So it's exactly for the people you're talking about that may be newly disabled and are overwhelmed, or maybe they've been disabled for a while but just haven't traveled yet. I want to give them the information, the resources, the tools to feel more confident about trying to travel and show them places that they can go. We have a wonderful lineup of speakers. Um, that's going to take place in November of this year. I don't have exact dates yet because I'm finalizing all the little logistical details. But if that's something that you're interested in, please go to my website, worldonwheelsblog.com. Sign up for my email um, list because I will be making sure everyone is updated and gets all the information there. So that's a really exciting thing. I'm really excited and happy about bringing to the community. That's really cool and awesome. And your website is linked in the show notes as well. So people can find you easily and sign up for your email list there. And what have you learned about yourself through all of this world travel? I have learned that I'm more capable than I thought um, when it comes to problem solving. I am, I always knew I was determined, but like takes it to another level, right? Because I'm like, I'm going to do this. I will find a way. And um, I think it's given me more confidence in myself. When I was younger, it was really hard for me to identify as disabled because I was always seen as different or in a bad way. And I've now embraced that of, yes, I'm different, but that's unique and that's positive and that doesn't have to be a negative. And I think when you find something that you're passionate about, like travel for me, and you can really use it as a skill to give back, to help others, to show that you can do it when you put yourself in challenging situations it's just it's really life-changing because not only do you learn so much about yourself and the world and get to have all these amazing experiences but you really embrace yourself as a person and it's just a really really incredible experience and growth that's awesome you're an absolute inspiration and i'm so thankful for you coming on here and sharing all of your wisdom today and we've mentioned your blog, but is there anywhere anyone else can find you online? Is there yeah. anywhere else anyone people can find you online? I think I said that backwards. I'm on Facebook on World on Wheels. I have a page. Uh, you can follow me there. I am on Instagram, but I am more active on Facebook. So those are the two places I'm most active on other than my website. So yeah, check me out. Sounds good. And again, that's tagged in the show notes. Kristen, thank you so much for being here and sharing your story and you're super inspiring. I'm so excited for this episode and everyone else. I will catch you on the next episode. Thank you for tuning in to the travel possibilities podcast. If you liked what you heard, I would be so thankful for your positive review on Apple podcasts so I can keep the episodes coming. If you aren't already following me on social media, Come soak up the extra tips and travel inspiration on Instagram by following me at The Travel Shifters or by visiting my website at travelshifters.com. Thank you so much for being here and I can't wait to connect with you in the next episode. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss it.